0: This story is straight from my father's mouth. His mother was a singer in Brisbane, and she was probably one of the best, to be honest. I never knew much about his childhood. He gave us the best growing up and never asked for anything in return. We never asked questions because, well, when you grow up, what's the point, you know? So dad's childhood was a mystery to me. Well, up until yesterday. Dad found out that he had a brain tumour a few months ago. It's inoperable. We'd been drinking together, sitting by the bonfire, while my own children ran around the darkness of our yard, playing and laughing. I don't know why he told me all of this. Maybe he didn't want to die with the secret. Still, I know my father enough to know that the following is true. This is a story from his point of view. My mum had always been beautiful. From the first memory, I just remember thinking how absolutely wonderful she always looked. Eyebrows always perfectly plucked. Skin as smooth as a baby, lipstick bright red, and never smeared no matter what happened. Now, of course, beauty doesn't make you a good parent. Love makes you a good parent. And I don't think she ever had love for anyone outside of herself. In all honesty, my sister Tara and I weren't her birth children. Her sister had given birth to twins at an extremely young age. She died not long after childbirth due to malpractice. Mum had no choice but to take us under her wing. She didn't necessarily want to, however she knew she could sue the hospital for the malpractice against her beloved sister, and win much easier if she took us in made it look like she needed the money, which I guess she did. And she won, of course. After that, Mum had a stroke of bad luck that followed her wherever she went for the first few years of our lives. Jobs were hard to come by, and something told me that she knew she was getting older fast. She knew she was ageing, and she hated it. It seemed like the more desperate she became, the worse things got. Then suddenly, when I was about nine, everything got better. Mum was happy. She looked more beautiful than ever. We suddenly had this house that was incredible three stories with a grand staircase and more rooms than we'd ever need. Mum had a permanent job at a very popular casino, singing on stage at their bar. Now that might not be a huge thing now, but at the time it was like she was a real star. There were parties, lots of parties. The most glamorous people of that time, in that place, came to our house. Of course, while it sounds like our childhood was grand... It really wasn't. There were things going on behind the scenes that no one could have ever famined. Mum never showed us any kind of affection that wasn't to make sure that everyone thought she was this perfect parent. When she looked at us, there was no love in her eyes, no hate, no sadness, just blankness. We were there and the only time she really paid us any attention was when we were in the way. We weren't allowed outside of our rooms more than to take meals, bathe and play outside. We had a nanny who homeschooled us. Hell, I never even set foot in a real school until my late teenage years. There were rooms we weren't allowed in at all. Then, there was the attic. We were never allowed anywhere near there, and even now I think she had good reason to keep us away. It started about a year after we moved into the house. Laughter. Dark, evil laughter like nothing I'd ever heard before. It would start in the middle of the night and go on until near daybreak. It wasn't loud, but it always seemed like it was right in your ears. Bringing this up to mum was useless. Nanny heard it too, but she seemed to take our mother's side. I guess I got that. Don't go against the one who pays you. But it was torturous at times. Nearly impossible to tune out, but you learn to over time. Then something came down from there, only at night and only when Mum was sleeping. The first time I saw it, I was probably 10 or 11. I got up in the middle of the night to go use the restroom, which was just across the hall. However, at the end of that very same hallway, there was the attic door, and half out into the light of the hallway. Despite that light, it was black. Black as darkness. Black as death. White eyes adorned the face. Too large and too far apart. No other features, just those white, wide eyes. Seeing me. Seeing nothing. The laugh that I'd come to know so well came from it, despite the fact that it had no mouth. It stayed there for a long time before slipping back behind the door which closed with a click. I told Mum. I told Nanny. I told Tara. I told the strangers at the parties. No one would listen. And so it went on. For longer than I'd like to say that thing terrorised me. At night it would walk around the house... Sometimes it would just stand in the open doorway and stare. Other nights, it would stand right over my bed, staring at me with those awful eyes. It would caress my face with disgusting long fingers that smelt like curdled cream. That's something you never learn to live with and ignore. Around the time I turned 12, work started to dwindle for mum. Our bills were behind. Then she found out that she was pregnant and lost her job entirely. She was a mess. I'd remember seeing her cry when I was little, but never after things started looking up. She cried all the time then. I remember overhearing her talking to Nanny about wanting an abortion. A few nights later, I saw her go up to the attic. I'd only ever seen her go up once before, with a young woman from one of her parties. She came back down with a much lighter look on her face. The next day, she announced to us that she would go through with her pregnancy. The bills got paid and mum opted to stay indoors. Nanny did everything for her. Hell, she even gave birth at home. To a little girl. But just like that, she was gone. Mum told all her friends about how she adopted her baby out to an older couple up north. But I knew better. I watched her take that crying newborn up to the attic the night after she was born. I heard the cries. The screams, the silence, and then the laughter. Mum got a new job at an even better casino, and just like that, everything seemed normal. She worked, the parties resumed, the laughing monster stayed in its place. I felt so selfish for it, but I was glad for what she did in a way – I could sleep again. I could eat again. I felt normal for the first time in years. And then it came back, and it was so much worse. It didn't just stand there, it spoke. Spoke with no fucking mouth. It said awful things, things that I could never repeat to anyone. The eyes stared as the words slipped out, slurred from nowhere that I could see. I wanted to die then. At 14 years old, I wanted it just to all end. With no one listening to me and no one caring, I started acting out. It just started with running away in the middle of the night. I'd stay gone until three or four in the morning. At first, just going on walks. We didn't live too far from a lot of bars and diners and shops, places where other kids hung out. Those same kids got me into smoking and drinking, among other things. Meanwhile, things were going bad for Mum again. They had hired a much younger singer. Even with her luck, her age was showing – She seemed so desperately depressed all of the time. The last night we lived at that house, I was sneaking out like I would normally do. I peeked out of my door, but I wasn't met with a normal quiet. I heard crying coming from down the hall, from Mum's room. It wasn't her normal crying, though. It was the nanny's. Then I heard a thump And silence. I closed the door just enough so I could see out the crack as Mum dragged Nanny's unconscious body out of her room, down the hall, and to the attic door. She closed it behind her, and I listened to the thump, thump, thump of the unconscious woman being dragged up the stairs. I cried. I knew exactly what was going to happen. This time, though, there was no sound from the attic for a while until I heard Mum's voice. She was yelling at someone, yelling in between tears. Frantic footsteps started down the attic stairs and into the hallway. I closed the door as quietly as I could and tiptoed to my bed. I pretended to be asleep as Mum peeked out, only for a moment, before closing the door quietly behind her and running frantically back down the hallway. It was quiet for a while, but I didn't dare to move. There was no laughter coming from the attic this time. I remember wondering to myself if something had gone wrong. Then I smelled the smoke. The rest of that night went so fast. The entire hallway was filled with flames. The attic door was left wide open and that thing stood in the doorway. Even with the bright light of the flames, it was still black and featureless. A horrid, inhuman scream came from somewhere inside the monster. It pointed at me as it screamed, but I started running before I could see whether or not it was actually making chase. I looked into Mum's room, but she was gone. Her king-sized bed, along with the canopy above, was up in intense flames. I ran into Tara's room and woke her up. From there, we climbed the best we could from the awning outside her bedroom window. The stairs were on the other end of the hallway, where the flames were at their worst. Mum was arrested that night. Arson was the only charge. They assumed the three bodies in the attic perished in the fire. However, it was a different time no one believed she could have been culpable. After all, she was a woman. She was a beautiful woman. They assumed she was too dumb to start a fire. Can you imagine? They let her go, but she died only a few months later. She just withered away. I don't even think the doctors today can explain it. Although I'm sure they'll slap a label on it, but it would only hide their own incompetence. There just wasn't an explanation. When she killed that thing, its absence took her. Despite the fact I know that thing is dead, I still wake up in the middle of the night expecting to see it standing over me those wide, white eyes staring, the bulging laughter coming from nowhere. I asked my dad later whether or not he was afraid of dying. He said he wasn't. He wasn't afraid of dying. The only thing he was afraid of was what might be waiting for him on the other side.